All right, lads and lasses, and good day, mates. Welcome to another episode of the Tune Under Podcast, the planet's favourite Newcastle United dedicated podcast, in our opinion. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Leeds game, and uh, would you look at that? The latest form guide. There's a big, fat, juicy green W right next to the name of Newcastle United, and uh, that can mean only one thing: Newcastle have remembered how to win a game of footy. Get in! Magic, magic. I think we need the celebration as well. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Anyway, so that was Newcastle United's first away win of the season, of course. Um, it's actually the first time, if this is correct, uh, that Eddie Howe was actually won against Leeds. And it's the only the second uh, three points that we've picked up in the first half of the season. So, man, does that feel good? Um, I'm going to start, as always, by saying hello to the guys who are joining me today, and it is Mark over in good old Brisbane town. How are you going, Mark? Yeah, good. Feeling much better. I'm a bit down in the dumps after my booster shot, so it was a little bit, uh, a little bit wiped for a few days. But um, yeah, sort of good three points in the bag makes you feel better. I was going to say that must have cheered you up. Yeah, definitely. Too right. And uh, it's our Andy Carroll lookalike, although not so much with the legs on. <laughs> and resident happy Newcastle man, uh, Dimmy in Victoria. How are you going, Dimmy, mate? Much happier this weekend. So um, how lucky are we? We've won two in 21 now, so couldn't yeah. couldn't be any better. On a roll, mate. On a roll. We are. Two Here in we six come. months. <laughs> Here we come. And uh, yeah, congratulations on the win, by the way, mate. Did you actually get to see much of the game? I did, actually, luckily for me. Um, so it was a pretty long, long day, long night. So the wife fell asleep pretty much on kickoff. So that's, that worked out well and Perfect. got to watch, got to watch the game in, in peace and celebrate without waking her up, which is good. Uh, don't get too used to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Brilliant. So we're all feeling good. We hope you all are feeling good at home. Um, let's get straight into this match review uh, right after this. All right, welcome back. So let's get straight into this desperately needed three-point victory away to Leeds at Ellen Road. I'm going to start by reading out the teams, as I always do. So to start with, Newcastle, uh, Dubravka in goal, then Trippier, Lascelles, Shaw and Dummett at the back, uh, Willock and Shelby in the middle, and then Joe Linton, Fraser, Chris Wood and Alan St. Maxman making up the rest of the team. And for Leeds, it was Melier in goal, Ailing, Laurent, Strike. Dallas, Cock, Rafina, Klitsch, Rodrigo, Harrison, and James. So, Mark, uh, any thoughts on that Newcastle lineup going into this game? Um, it probably isn't that far off our strongest eleven available to help. Yeah, I think it's it kind of almost picks itself at the moment. Um, obviously, the 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 talking point before the game was Willett coming in and uh, Longstaff getting dropped. So. I think many people would have an argument against that, given his performance in the the Watford game. Um, I thought he was very, very poor. Um, after a reasonable display against Man United, it has to be said. But yeah, he, he, it it kind of seems like it's our, our strongest strongest team on paper at the moment, at least. Um, and it's nice to kind of see see Trippier in there, Chris Wood still in there, um, and yeah, Ryan Fraser working hard, Joe Linton still in midfield. Um, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, and uh, Dimmy, uh, in the preview show that we did, you said that you'd actually drop uh, Jamal Lascelles 
he hasn't been great in fairness. Um, how did you see this lineup if you got to see it and um, yeah. when it was announced that is and specifically on the cells? How do you think he did? Just very quickly. So I thought the cells was 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 fine. It was pretty. It was solid. Didn't do anything stupid, which is probably cost what's cost him, and didn't do any of those monumental errors. It was a little bit wishful, wishful thinking, thinking that Dummett was going to be centre back instead of the captain. But <laughs> Jamal did did his job and and marshaled the defence as well as he could before before he went off injured. So probably in fairness, a good a good decision. Yep. Okay. So I've got to get into uh, the first half. The first half of the game was pretty much majority leads, in my opinion, um, without really causing us too much in the way of any um, headaches. Uh, there was that snap volley from Shelby that had Melier diving to make a two-palm save. Uh, but apart from that, um, it was pretty much, in my opinion, again, pretty much low on quality and um, goal-mouth action. And we managed to get through the first half nil-nil. And there was like extra five minutes added on the end of the first half somehow. I mean, I think it should have been more like eight with the length of time, for example, Shaw was down. First, I'll start with you, Mark. Um I mean, that was that was basically all I've got to say about the first half. It was just, you know, mostly leads, lots of position, not a great deal of anything else. Mark, what did you make of that first half? Anything that I've missed? Anything that you want to call out? Um, as uh, From my memory, uh, Dubravka made one absolutely cracking save uh, from, I think, who, who I can't remember who, who James from. James, was it? Yeah. Um, but apart from that, there was nothing that really was super troubling from Leeds, but they did look good when they were passing the ball around and on, on the break, uh, we, we looked like we were defending well and they were playing well. So it was kind of like cancelling each other out. Um, crack and volley from Shelby, but mm. uh, again, really good save. Um, we had a couple of instances that we we looked like we were almost in on goal, looked like we were getting some passing together and then sort of rabbit in the headlights or something. I mean, Willick was was put through, didn't know what to do with it, passed it through to Joe Linton on one occasion and then Joe, well, very, very early in the game and Joe Linton was kind of like crowded out, got a shot away but went over the bar. So, you know, it's like nothing that really flattered us um, apart from that Shelby shot, um, which basically came out of nowhere. Yeah, I will say that we definitely activated Operation time waste right from the first kick every time Dubravka got that ball man he's like basically setting up a table and chair and sitting down having a meal before he's ready to kick it again I, I, did he get caught at all Dubravka for I time did. I think he did that's unreal man <laughs> it was taking the piss uh, Demi what did I miss on the first half anything that you want to mention yeah the the one thing that concerned me about the first half I mean Leeds didn't really have a clear cut chance except for that James one the one thing that was concerning me was Rafinha one on one with with Dummett I did feel that he looked like he was going to create something. He did go around Dummett three or four times in that yeah. first half. Not not Dummett's fault. Rafinha's is world class, but there were a couple of cutbacks that did did cause us problems. So that was probably the one area that I thought may may trouble us going forward. But in terms of the rest of the half, Leeds didn't really cut us open like I thought they would. And to get to half time nil nil, we probably thought that that that's a win at that stage. Yeah, uh, Dummett. It's just too slow, man. Um, yeah. I think I said in the last one as well, he's just too slow. He gets turned so easy. Um, but uh, in his defence, he's only just came back from injury. Um, and we'll get on to injuries a little bit later on. All right, so, yeah, I don't think it's much more to add to the first half, so might as well talk about the second half then. Uh, and that's the second half is really when I noticed a bit of a shift in the dynamic of, of the game. It felt to me a lot like, and this might have been more in the mid 
part of the half, but it felt a lot like Leeds were overcommitting almost players going forward and they were leaving, they were starting to leave a lot of space behind them. If you remember the preview, uh, Dan, the Leeds fan basically said that's, that's one of the ways you can attack Leeds. You know, if he was, if he was talking Freddie Howe, he'd say basically, we attack all the time. We never change our game. This is Leeds and we're going to leave space behind us. And that's obviously an opportunity for you to get back in there and, and do some damage. And um, I think that's basically how it turned out. I don't know if Leeds were starting to run out of puff or what, because they did a lot of running. But there again, also, they were slowing the game down quite a lot as well, especially around the halfway line. They were just kind of back and forwards, sideways, back to the keeper, like as if they weren't in any kind of hurry. Um, so second half when I started to see us kind of take a little bit of control. Uh, there was lots of there was lots of chances flying around. I mean, there's lots of it was back and forwards. It was I remember Jack saying on the live view that it was like a basketball game. It was like just one side, the other, one side, the other, one side, the other. You know, everyone, teams were trying to impose themselves. Um, I don't think either team really did manage to impose themselves all that much. Um, unless you look at it, Leeds' possession, of which they had a lot more than we did. I suppose the first point to really mention, though, is that early in the second half is when um, Joe, Big Joe went down with an injury, uh, an apparent groin issue that he's been carrying all season, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. He's been our best player for the last few games and he's been playing around with a, a broken dong or something. He's got like a dodgy groin and he's still managed to be like a really effective the effective player for our team so it's it's amazing that he's actually managed to get this far really uh but in his place came sean longstaff who uh <laughs> i think it was a sigh the collective sigh as soon as we saw sean warning up because yeah he wasn't good against Watford. um he he does have a tendency to and he did it in this game actually he does have a tendency to leave the ball i don't know what goes through his head but he kind of it's almost like he's going to do one two with someone and then when it's really his turn to pick up the ball, he just pisses off. And then the ball's just lying there. And you're like, what are you doing, Sean, man? You've left the ball behind you. And he did it at least once, I can think of, in, in that game. Probably more than once, really. Um, but I think, looking back on that, um, Sean was all right, wasn't he? He didn't do anything particularly bad that I can remember. I think he, um, I think he did all right, didn't he? Yeah, I think I think he had a he had a decent game. I mean, obviously, stark comparison to the uh, the Watford game. I think he did okay in against Man United, but like you know, he, he was he was nothing special, but didn't really make any complete blunders in midfield. Didn't give the ball away as much as he has been doing doing in the past. So um, yeah, I can't really complain about him too much when he came on. Yeah, Demi, I think you had the same thoughts, didn't you, when we were doing the preview? Uh, didn't really want Sean Longstaff anywhere near that team. Um, in fact, you were basically quite adamant that he didn't do this, he didn't do that, didn't do anything. He shouldn't be anywhere near the team. But uh, on reflection, how do you think he did? Yeah, on, on reflection, he he, he did pr- pretty decently. I mean, if you look at our bench, there's no other option except him or Hendrick. And as, as bad as Longstaff has been, I don't think we all want Jeff Hendrick coming into the team. So... He he did okay. He does he it does worry me when him and Shelby play together because they're both similar similarly laconic and they don't really put that defensive effort in, which is which can be frustrating. You can sort of walk through them in the middle of the park. He did have a decent chance as well, which I thought he should have done better with in, in the second half, where he snatched his shot wide when he had probably a lot more time than he thought. So pro, it was definitely progress from the last game, but um, nothing to to ride home about in my opinion. Well, you didn't do anything terrible. That's, well, that's what... it's, it's a very low bar, clearly. It's a clearly low bar that we're setting for Lutzels. We're setting for Longstaff. Where as long as you don't fuck up and completely give a goal away, <laughs> we're saying you've done a good job. So if that's the bar we're setting, then fair yeah. play. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's definitely worth writing home about. 
Dear Diary, Sean didn't fuck up. Um, you know. Um, anyway, so um, 20 minutes later, Dummett, Paul Dummett, goes down with what looked like a hammy. We'll get on this in a little bit. Uh, and he was replaced by Manquillo. Now, when that happened, we on the live watch thought that we're probably going to swap sides. Uh, so Trippier would come to the right, and then Manqu uh, sorry, Trippier got left, then Manquillo got to the right. Uh, but in the end, it looked like Manquillo just stayed at left back. I didn't see him move, I don't think. And, um, and in fact, it was his run down the wing and then in towards uh, the goal box of Leeds that um, drew that foul from Laurent, or Laurent, how we ever pronounce that. And uh, that's where we got the free kick, and it was going to prove a costly one for um, for Leeds. So, yeah, let's talk about the goal. Uh, so initially, it was um, Trippier and Shelby standing over the ball uh, for the free kick. There was a four-man wall covering the nearer post, uh, which was at the keeper's right. And uh, Melier then covered the far post, which was at his left. Um, and Shelby steps up, takes the free kick. And let's be honest, it was shit. I mean, it wasn't a very good free kick. He even he even admitted afterwards that he scuffed it. So I'm not like saying that out of turn. Even he knew it was a shit free kick. Um, but I think if you watch the replay, you'll see that Melier, for some reason, maybe because of the advance in Newcastle players in the box, he takes a slight step to the right, and he leaves just a bit of space where that god awful free kick is going to go bouncing into. And in amongst all that, of course, there's then Clark and Shaw um, trying to get their toes on the end of it. I actually. Honestly, at the time, I thought Shard got his studs on it or something because I, I thought I'd saw a, a change in flight of the ball. But I've seen it about a thousand times now, and I still, I'm still not entirely sure whether anybody touched it. And if they had off, there was an issue of was it going to be offside? And I think it would have been fine anyway. But in the end, it was given to Shelby. Uh, he reels away, does his little goggles thing, runs all the way at the away fans who were being tremendous again. I mean, oh, they were just they were just fantastic again. Only two and a half thousand of them, but it sounded like a home game at times. It was just brilliant. Um, and there's all the fans and all the players are celebrating together. Um, and it's brilliant. Dimmy, thoughts on that goal? And then Mark straight after. Yeah, so I even though he said he scuffed it, I think when you hit a free kick like that across the keeper with players running across, it can cause havoc. And mm. I've always felt that sort of style of free kick where you just blast it, bounce it before the keeper, it can be difficult to save. So if you didn't mean to do that, obviously it worked out well. But obviously with... With the run from Ankia, it was a sensational run and stupid by Lorente because I think he, you'll see on the replay that Mankio's touch was, even though he did do the defender, it was quite heavy. I'm not sure he was going to get the ball or no. going to do anything with it. So it did it did help us that that Lorente made that made that bad mistake. But as I said, sometimes you just got to have a have a have a dig at the keeper, and sometimes they'll make a mistake. And luckily for us, Melia completely stuffed it up. Yeah, oh, he did all right. He wasn't very happy with himself afterwards, Mark. Yeah, I think it was a it was a bad decision from the keeper. Um, I think he was as as Demi said though. You you find yourself as a keeper. I think you would be conscious of the defend like defending the players as much as the actual free kick itself and making sure that you're not kind of getting caught out from that. Um, mm -hmm. Anytime the ball bounces in front of the keeper, though, you're always in with the chat. Um, adds that element of of um, sort of unpredictability to the ball. So I think he just got done with a with a bouncing ball in front of him, um, second-guessing himself. And, and yeah, I, I don't really care how it went in. As long as it went in, that was all we wanted. Oh, I mean, we were all diving around like absolute fucking idiots on the live view. Um, and I was a few seconds behind the rest of the lads, so they were already <laughs> celebrating. And I'm like, I, really, I appreciate the score of goal, but I kind of dare celebrate because I don't know what I'm celebrating yet. And then it went in, and I'm like, you know, I'm celebrating, they've already finished. Um, <laughs> it was a bit, 
was a bit disjointed, but um, yeah, we absolutely love that goal on the live watch. Um, it was brilliant. Uh, you know what I loved most about that though? I mean, all right, it was a shit kick um, that ended up being a brilliant goal in the end because it went in. Um, but what I really liked about it, and I was watching it, I noticed this live as well, was that so it was Kieran Trippier and Shelby standing near the ball, and you know we weren't sure exactly who was going to take it. Obviously, Trippier's got a reputation for being quite a good dead ball uh, free kick taker, and um, Trippier just basically he was standing to the ball, but then he started to kind of marshal all the Newcastle players. Mm -hmm. He was moving people into the box. He moved Shaw. I think if it was Shaw, he was behind Trippier and he was like, how am I daft so get into the middle, get in the middle, you know? And he was like making sure everyone was exactly where they were. Um, and Shelby was obviously, I suppose Shelby was concentrating on taking the kick. Um, but but bear in mind, though, by this point, Shelby was captain because the cells had already gone off. I just mm -hmm. mentioned Clark was moving in on goal, but and that was because the cells had gone off. And so Shelby's captain, you'd, obviously you'd expect Shelby to be the one doing this, but he was obviously focused on taking the kick. And I just loved how someone else took the responsibility. Someone like Trippier, who's got a bit of, of a, a history behind him of being a decent player, you know, in, England international and so on, has that kind of um, gravitas that you can you can tell even new teammates where to stand, and they're going to listen, you know. Yeah. And then uh, just as just before the goal kick was taken, uh, the, the free kick was taken, Trippier kind of runs back into a sort of a centre of the field position, just off camera, ready to get any kind of second balls or any or break up any kind of. Um, counter-attack from the from the free kick and i just i just loved it i loved everything about that um trippier himself was actually caught a bunch of times he was getting too far up the pitch at, at times in leads with their pace and with the passing ability he, he was getting left completely out of position quite a few times but just on his kind of potential to be a captain a future captain of this club uh, that was a lovely lovely example of it so anyway one nil uh 15 plus minutes to see out because that was on the 75th minute and um, I remember Craig saying when we scored against Watford that that was a good time to get a goal because it was just after the half time. But in fact, my opinion is that, is that it was actually a terrible time to get a, a goal because this being Newcastle, we, we can't hold on to, to Leeds. We, we all know that. Um, we can beat Leeds, but we can't hold on to Leeds. See what I did there? <laughs> uh, you see, you see. Got to keep listening. And, uh, and so when we scored against Watford, I was like, okay, brilliant. But this is like an entire half that we're going to have to try and defend. Uh, when we scored against Leeds, there was 15 minutes plus extra. So I think for me, scoring round about then, especially in a tight nil-nil, was a far better time for some for a team like Newcastle, low on confidence and uh, losing so many points from a leading position to defend and defend successfully. I mean, I think we did it. You know, we're not the greatest defending team in the world, but we um, we did pretty well. I can't remember. Leeds really having much more in the way of chances. I mean, they had a lot of running still, but um, and Newcastle. They had plenty deep. of the ball. But they didn't have any clear-cut chances. And I think Newcastle actually had the better of the chances for the rest of the game. Mm. Um, but that's the difference. They didn't sit back. And whether or not, as you said, it's only 15 minutes. So mm. for them, psychologically, it's it's not as much of an issue because, oh, well, look, we've only got 15 minutes to see out. Whether or not it is because they sat back against Watford and you know, we all saw how, that, how well that turned out. Maybe that was at the forefront of their mind and, you know, that has been working on that going, look, if we go up, we can't sit back and defend. We've got to keep going. And, yeah. and they did that. They, they definitely did that. Well, it was interesting because in his uh, post-match, uh, Shelby was actually basically saying that all week they'd been working on that mentality of not sitting back. If we were, if they were going to go ahead of the, in the game, they were, they were, they've been practicing all week basically on continuing to 
keep the ball, try and maintain some control over the game, manage the game essentially, which is what they didn't do against Watford. And they've been working on that all week. And I think it it, it really showed, you know, um, yeah, Leeds were starting to make a lot of space behind them, but it's neat, it doesn't make any difference if you're not going to attack that space. And, you know, time and again, Maxi was running that kind of space all the, you know, and he was starting to get a bit of um, bit of space for himself to do things. And then, of course, that led to that really contentious VAR decision. Uh, so basically, Maxi's got the ball, he's running at the box, and uh, he does like a, a pullback. And as he does that, does that, he kind of loses his foot in a little bit and starts to slide. And then you've got uh, Cock coming in to try and defend, and he takes away Maxi's um, standing foot, I believe it was. So Maxi's foot starts to go even further back, and he ends up on the floor. Lots of people screaming for a penalty. I've seen lots of pundits all saying that there was a cast iron penalty. I'm not. I'm still not 100% on it. Um, but in, in any event, VAR just kind of waved it away, which is basically the story of our season, it seems. Every time we get one of these, um, we, we hardly ever get anything. So without your tinfoil hats, um, <laughs> uh, Demi, you go first with uh, what you thought of that instant and whether you thought it was a penalty. And then Mark, after that, please. Definite penalty. I mean, the only reason for me he didn't give it was probably Maxi's reaction, flailing his arms and potentially leading up to that, Maxi did have a few choice words to the referee about a previous incident where he was pulled back. So I think the referee remembered that and said, no, nah, you're trying to pull my leg. You're, you might've got some contact, but you've embellished it. So I'm not going to reward you for being a, a pork chop and, and having a go at me. So that's unfortunately how it goes for us this season or for many seasons by not getting <clears> the decisions from the ref. But for me, he took away his standing leg, like you said, um, completely with the defender. So clear pen. But, it's one thing. It's one thing for the ref to do that on the pitch, but what about VAR? There's no well, excuse that, for that. Well, that's the thing. So VAR sort of their argument would be, oh, it's not a clear and obvious error, blah blah blah. But the fact for me after that incident, I think the ball didn't go out for about two minutes, so they use that as a convenient excuse to, even though they say they check it all the time, I think you usually find if the ball doesn't go out in that preceding 30, 45 seconds the VAR sort of pretend to say, yo, we've checked it, play on. They don't <laughs> want to break the game. But you, if you watch, you watch the next few weeks, and if you see an incident where the ball doesn't go out after the the potential indiscretion, they'll they'll generally let it go. So I think if the ball had gone out, there might have been a few more demonstrations to the referee and there might have been potentially a VAR check. And uh, Mark, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think it was a Stonewall penalty. Um, I think I, I was uh, having a chat to someone on social media about it after the, the incident. And as I summed up, if that is Mo Salah going down or Bruno Fernandez or someone with that little contact, and, and you know, you can say it would be a soft, soft penalty, it's minimal contact, it's still contact. And those players, you know, for a fact, are going to get the penalty given. Um, and, and this is this is the thing. And in, you look at the the controversy with VAR um, yesterday as well, uh, the decision going the way of, of the big club um, for a very similar incident to what Fraser wasn't awarded a penalty for when he was clattered by the keeper and people saying, oh, but he was no near, nowhere near the ball, but it's all the time. And this is what's frustrating. It's, it's not the decisions. And I think as fans, if that's how they want to call it, then that's how they call it. It's the inconsistency that's so frustrating. And that was a prime example where we've seen those given all the time. There was definite contact. Um, VAR is there. The ref may not have given it. The ref may have been in the huff with St. Maximum because he 
threw threw a stop at him for for not um, giving the free kick when he had his shirt pulled back. But you know that's what VAR is there for. They should be checking that, blowing the blowing the call back and saying, right, yep, you know what, that is a penalty. Stop the play. They've got a mic in. The, they've got a sort of a speaker in the in the ref's ear. Um, they they can be in contact with them. They can see that and go, look, you know what, stop play or whatever. We'll come and have a look at it. You really need to see this this again. It looks like there's contact, mm-hmm. um, but no, there's 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 none of that. It, and it just seems that they just pick and choose which which incidents they want to scrutinize until they get the decision they want, um, or they they let the ones go that they just don't want to overturn because it suits them. And that's how it looks at the moment. Yeah. I would tend to agree the inconsistencies are the worst part of this whole thing. I mean, it, it's it's still people behind the scenes. That's the that's the problem. People make mistakes all the time, but people are also prone to bias uh, and to make decisions, maybe it's not even consciously, but to make decisions that favor one side over another just because people are people and that's how people are at times. And, and be that and as it is, there needs to be accountability from the the governing bodies for the referees so that if they do make these mistakes and they can show them and they can say look you got this one right you got this one badly wrong it's exactly the same sort of incident you need to fix this up you're out for two games you're not refereeing go away and and learn how to referee a game there's no accountability they're they're above the law themselves they they feel so there's no incentive for them to to improve the situation and i think the accountability part of it is actually um something that could fairly easily be addressed uh, i did a tweet on this and i think mark you might have already done one as well um basically wire up these people stick a microphone yep. they've already got microphones in fact just broadcast it it happens in cricket it happens in rugby it happens in afl over in, in australia here um there's no good reason that i can think of other than just simply protecting themselves from criticism that they aren't broadcasting the voices of the var team as well as the voice of the referee and they don't have to have it on all the time you know like if it's a, a VAR decision that is actually happening um, and it needs a proper review, I mean, it doesn't have to be for every single occasion. And perhaps this is why they don't do it, because maybe they do a lot more VAR than we even realize. But still, it would be a great insight as much as anything else just to hear what the ref is asking about and to hear what the VAR is seeing. Uh, we see the, the replays on TV anyway, so we know what we're looking at. But the interpretation of that and why it isn't an obvious error is, I think, in this case, is, I think, would be at least one way of exposing the workings of this closed box right now yeah. and pro- provide maybe a little bit more accountability. Are they going to do it? Do you, do you not think if they, even if they had things recorded, they don't necessarily have to broadcast it at the match because I mean, but they do, they do it other sports and I get that, but at least if they've got it there on the match review shows and all of this sort of stuff, they can then go, look, this was a really dodgy decision. This is what the ref was talking about make it more transparent, make it yeah. more transparent. And the fans, if the fans can hear what's going on and it's legitimate, then they're going to be a lot more accepting of, of decisions going badly if they're hearing the reasoning behind it, unless it is just this dodgy, oh, you know, it's Man United, we've got to give a penalty. Yeah, they did They yeah, did well, do that in, in the A-League a few years ago. I'm not sure if you guys remember, um, Jared Gillette, who's actually now in the Premier League, um, he was mic'd up and actually released the audio of him referring and him conversing with the VAR when he was doing a game. I think it was Brisbane Raw versus somebody. Let's say it was Mariners or whoever it was here in the A-League. And that received great feedback around the world around saying, this is fantastic. This is what we want to hear. We want to hear the interaction between the referee and the VAR as to why they've made a decision or why they didn't make a decision. Yeah. It would just clear up all the, the grey area. I mean, the only 
voice of reason now for us here in Australia is that that bloke on Optus Sport, that former referee who comes on and says, yes, they got it wrong or no, this is why. And, and that's not good enough, to be honest. We need to hear that the actual referees to say, this is why I've made this yeah. decision or why I didn't. And if you've yeah. made a mistake, just own it and everyone moves on. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't think they'll do it because, you know, it's a lot easier not to basically. It keeps them away from criticism. We all know yeah. people in power don't like criticism. So anyway, so I mean, just for the record, I wasn't quite sure about whether it was a penalty or not, simply because if you watch it back, it does get clipped, obviously, but the ball is kind of away from him already. That's not the important, most important thing. But you can see that he lets his left leg um, drop to the floor, basically, once he feels the contact on his other foot. And um, maybe the referee thought the same thing. Like you were saying, Demi or Mark, um, you know, you've tried to call me once or twice already, or you've been yapping away in my ear all game. Bugger off. You know, this is what happens. This is this is because he was going absolutely berserk in the first half when he went down. He was waving. He was like, ah, you dick. You know, he was like proper <laughs> remonstrating with the referee. Um, anyway, but I can see why, you know, I can see why people think it's a foul and, you know, I'm an idiot. So what do I know? Um, so anyway, we, um, so that was the penalty that wasn't, uh, we managed to see out the game after that. Um, there was another five minutes added to the second half, which again was a bit baffling. I didn't think it was anywhere near five minutes, but maybe that's just because we're absolutely shitting our pants waiting for the end of the game and hoping for that win. Cause let's face it, we've got form in pissing it up, uh, in the last few minutes. Anyway, um, we managed to get through it. All the fans, all two and a half thousand of them, all went home, happy up there, one there. And uh, yeah, on the live view, we're all diving around like absolute fucking lunatics. It was absolutely brilliant. And it was three o'clock in the morning, so to have that kind of energy to jump around was pretty good for us, I think. Um, <laughs> I was knackered. All right, let's talk about the injuries then. Um, so first, Joe Linton. So he was carrying that knock all season, the groin injury that uh, Eddie Howe mentioned. This one seems like it's been one game too far. And he went down once, if you remember, then he tried to carry on. Then he went down again. I uh, hope he hasn't made it any worse by trying to carry on like that. Um, haven't seen any update, I don't think. I don't know if you guys have. I haven't seen any update on, on how he's doing or... or uh, I haven't you know, really seen any sure. updates on any of them, to be honest. No, it's, it's, it's been very yeah. quiet. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's good. I mean, they are busy being in Saudi Arabia, so maybe it's something to do with that. Um, but uh, first, Mark, what do you make of the loss of Big J? Oh, I think it's it's devastating blow for him more than anything. I think he's been one of our outstanding players since Howe's come in and the, the transformation we've seen. I think, um, you know, Bobby's been been pushing hard for him to get a Brazil call up for the World Cup, hasn't he? So <laughs> maybe may, may a step too far for that. But, you know, he has been fantastic for us since he's moved back into a midfield role. Um, I think we'll miss him. Uh, his control on the ball and he's, he's tackling and most of all, his work rate. I'm not surprised he's having some some soft tissue injuries given the amount of running he does in the game for us. Um, it's it's going to be a big blow. Lots of running, lots of jumping. Um, Demi, what do you make of that uh, loss and who do you think we'll, we'll actually replace him with? Will it be Willock? Yeah, well, Willock was already in the team, so it probably won't be Joe if we're going to st stick to the same 4-3-3 that we've been playing. It, it, it is a blow. I mean, Jollington's been the best player with since Howe's come in. He's been sensational. He's been re revitalised and rejuvenated playing in that deeper role. So his, his physicality as well, I think, is going to be really, really lacked. I mean, we don't really have that sort of powerful Mo Diame, Sheikh Tiote enforcer in the middle of the pitch, which we still lack even with yep. Jollington in the team. So that, that sort of physicality and that ability to just shield the ball or put a big tackle in is something we will we'll miss. So hopefully a few sunny days in Saudi Arabia will do, we'll do his groins, groins good. His groins? His groins. <laughs> groin. Groin. 
Groin, yeah, right, groin, yeah, okay. There's some kind he of... may have multiple groins, maybe, maybe Joe has multiple groins, I don't know. Yeah, he is pretty fantastic. Um, all right, so that's Joe. Um, and then after that, it was Dummett who went down, probably the least surprising of the three injuries that were picked up here. He's only been, what is his second or third game back? And, second, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, at first glance, I actually thought that was a bit of a hammy, but do, Demi, do we know how bad that one is, or was it just simply one game too many in such a short period of time? Uh, and then you mark these. Yeah, it's it sounds like from how that's that's what it was. The latter, it was probably coming off a long term injury, playing two games, not as it not as if in a short um, span of time, but playing two games in 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 two weeks. Probably his legs at his age can't cope with that. So hopefully it's more of a tightness issue than a full tear issue for him more than the team because the team. I think we can cover his absence on at left back. But him, him himself, he probably deserves a good run of games after all, all the time he's been out for. Yeah, I think I think he's um, he's been out for a while. Um, it's not surprising. The the good thing for me is at least he didn't go down. He didn't sort of pull it off the play. He went down under a challenge, I believe, and kind of was a bit slow to get back up again. Was feeling mm. a bit bit sort of like battered and bruised maybe. So yeah, maybe it's still just caught up with him. Um, but at least it wasn't sort of like an obvious, he's running after the ball and suddenly something pings in the back of his leg and he's sort of like shot by a sniper or something. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just wait and see, I guess, with him as well. Um, it does does certainly him no favours whatsoever for his contract uh, renegotiations, it has that's to be said. True. That's true, yeah. And here's the thing that's just popped into my head. If this was... Uh, cabbage he'd in charge of us still and he brought back Dummett and played him two twice or three times in two weeks whatever it was for Dummett and he went down injured we'd all be saying you absolute fuck with it it was obviously going to happen you've played him too much he's only just come back what the hell are you doing is Eddie Howe going to get that same kind of criticism or are we all just like oh yeah I mean you know whatever what do you think? I don't, I don't know if, if Howe's gonna. I don't know if Howe's gonna get the criticism because we we had history with Bruce of doing that time and time again with players. If Dummett's fit, he's played a game. If he's still fit and he's not showing any any signs of wear and tear from that previous game, then you know why not? Um, you know you've got to be playing him, but it, it does beg the question. And I'm not saying that Howe is above criticism, and this is something that has been sort of discussed a little bit on on social media leading up to the fact that we we won our second game. Um, we hadn't been winning, and you know it's like at what point do you start pointing the finger at Howe? Um, and and we and we know we we as fans can't have those double standards. We have to we have to sort of maintain you know, equal criticism, I guess, across the board for if that's the point that we want to make about playing players that, that are that are not 100% fit or just coming back from injuries and then we lose them again, then yeah, it's it's actually not a bad point. But I think it's it's kind of like the, the one-off at the moment and it's not the history that Bruce had of multiple players being brought back too soon. Um, it's not like Dummett's been back training for a long time um, and he hasn't put him back into the squad until he was sure that he was going to be fit. So, you know, Bruce would put someone back in. Oh, you what? You've you've had one training session. Yeah, quick back in the back in the match day squad. Um yeah. at least he hasn't done that. So there there is some some little subtle differences between what's happened, but yeah, the, you know, time's going to tell. Yeah. Bruce would be like, "Oh, you've got one leg, but you've had 3 days off. You're fine. You're fine. Get in there." Um <laughs> Dimmy, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's no Florian Lejeune situation where he's coming off a knee reconstruction is playing two games in five days so it's not as not as daft as that but if if Dummett was probably a more all, all due respect to Dummett if Dummett was a more important player let's say for the 11 
we may feel differently, but the fact that we've got cover and he's not exactly irreplaceable probably waters down in any sort of criticism we, we might have of that decision. All right, fair enough. And as Mark says, I mean, you, you could look at Fraser. He's been injured for a while, but he's actually starting to really find a, a bit of uh, form here now. So there's a there's a situation where someone is actually being managed back to decent first team fitness level. And yeah, maybe it's just specifically to do with Dummett and his uh, was it his hammy? Was that what went? I think it looked like it, it was tight. I don't know whether it was a a hamstring pull as such, but he just sort of was obviously feeling a bit of discomfort. Yeah, right. Well, speaking of hummies, uh, the last one that we went off was Lascelles, the captain. And um, I think this one looked a bit more serious, but my memory's failing me at the minute. Dimmy, thoughts? If it is serious, Dimmy, thoughts on losing the captain for a while? That would make you pretty happy, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think, again, he's not someone who's irreplaceable, especially on his form this season. So mm. it, might, it might coincide well with a new centre-half that we might bring in this week. Um, him coming out the new centre-half coming in, playing alongside Cher, it probably looks like that might not be the worst thing. So, yes, again, no disrespect to the captain and the cells, but the way he's been playing, not not a huge loss. And yet he was all right in this game. What do you think about that, Mark? Yeah, I thought he, thought he had probably one of his better games. But the, the whole the whole team seemed to lift for this one. Um, whether or not there was the the lack of pressure from a home crowd, um, just they felt a little bit more at ease just playing their own game uh, it, rather than having to fulfil the expectations of a full St James's Park. I don't know, but if you look at look at right across the board, even you know, as as we said, Longstaff had a great game. Fraser was on fire. Um, even when Clark came on, and you know we've got Clark who. The last time he played made a pretty bad mistake to lose us the game. Um, and a lot of fans were saying they never wanted to see him in the squad again, um, which was a bit harsh because he has actually done really good job for us in the past. But if you look at his his game, he he was solid when he came on. Mankio was was great when he came on, really added something else to the to the team. Um, everyone just seemed up for it. And we 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 defended as a team, we attacked as a team. So I don't think any one player was being singled out. Um, and even Martin Dubravka didn't start flapping and, and do some weird, crazy stuff in the box. So happy days. He, he was actually pretty good as well, wasn't he? And I'm yeah, the first person yeah. to whinge about one of his bloody palm to the opposition type things, you know. But I actually thought he did all right. He held the ball a few times, got down low really quickly at times. Yeah. And then obviously he did the time-wasting thing where they just kind of lie on top of the ball as if they're pregnant or something for like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how he didn't get yellow card. Anyway. So that was the game in the case. So Newcastle won 1-0, despite all the odds and VAR. And um, we're all very, very happy about it. Uh, let's have a look at the league table to see where that leaves us. So we are now third bottom. Getting the nosebleed, lads. Third bottom, 15 points. Two glorious wins all season. Yeah, we are only still somehow one point behind uh, Norwich. I mean... To be, to be fair, I wasn't expecting Norwich to be there at all. So all credit to them and Dean Smith, he's doing a cracking job at Norwich. And uh, and then from Norwich, there's three points gap to Everton and then there's another three point gap to Leeds United. It's looking a lot better, isn't it? Oh, it's looking fantastic. And if you if you look at the fact that we've still got to play Norwich, we've still got to play Burnley. Burnley on the last game of the season, let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got two games against Everton that could end up being massive for us. If we win both of those, that's six points. It's basically a 12-point swing on, the, on on Everton if you start doing the whole six-pointers game. Hmm. Um, and, we, and, you know, we could drag them right back into the, into the relegation uh, fight. We could drag ourselves out of it um, just with those two games. So I think the Everton games are going to be crucial for us. 
And then, you know, it's just a case of scraping the points together for the rest of the season. Uh, hopefully we get some new new faces in um, and that, that win hopefully convinces people that we are on the up and we are improving and we're, we're worth worth a gamble on joining. And uh, I think they're talking about getting another five players in. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to manage that in the next, I don't know, what, seven days or something. But Demi, yeah, a bit more comfortable now. We can go off to Saudi Arabia with a bit of a smile on our faces. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's funny, 24 hours, how long, how long that can be. So before the Watford-Norwich game, we would have thought, geez, we're four points behind Watford already. If they win, this is going to make it tough psychologically going into the Leeds game. They lose, Norwich jump us, but Watford stay, stay within striking distance. We then win, and all of a sudden, we've jumped Watford, even though they've got a game in hand. And Norwich, the only team above us, are up above us by a point, but we have a game in hand on them. So, like Mark said, it's dragging, potentially dragging Everton into it. We play Everton twice, which is, which is good for us. Leeds as well are, are being dragged in, and even Brentford, who's not on this screen, probably are potentially another candidate to be dragged into it. Yeah, I think Craig was saying Brentford are in a bit of free fall right now. But um, yeah, I mean, Burnley have still got like 60,000 games in hand. So I still maintain this thought that you can't really be sure where you are until you get some of those games out of the way, because it's still basically a false position for a lot of teams down at the bottom there. But yeah, downside better than it was a couple of weeks ago, that's for sure. Um, so let's just finish this off with uh, a man of the match. I'm going to go with uh, Shaw. I think Shaw was absolutely fantastic. He was everywhere. He didn't do any stupid tackles at the edge of the box, which has become his forte lately. Uh, I also want to give a, a shout out to Fraser, who was just brilliant. Never stopped running. Um, had that shot on goal. Didn't quite catch it right. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it to Shaw for me, Dimmy, and then Mark. I will say Trippier. Oh. I I would say Mankio for the way that he impacted the game if he was playing for longer, but the fact that he came on as quite a late sub, it's not really fair. Um, and as much as it pains me to say it, because he isn't top of my list in my favourite players, but I'm going to give it to Shelby. I thought he was brilliant in the, in the middle of the park. He tracked back, he scored the goal, he had a cracking volley attempt as well. He was pushing forward, he was passing the ball well, held on to it well, didn't do any of his little dinky sort of one touch backwards and forwards to the defender who's just given it to him um, to sell everyone in, in short. So yeah, I, I think he had probably one of his best games I've, I've seen him play for a while. Yeah, he was pretty good. I actually did see him run from the second, from the from the opposition half all the way to our own half and do a bit of defending. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, I know, I know. Wow. Other bold person on the pitch. Um, listen to this. Listen to the standards we're sitting. We're saying players <laughs> running from one half to another. No yeah. one, no one fucking up. It's these standards are world class. Clearly, we're so demanding as a fan base. Wow, so we're so demanding. Gosh. Oh, here, man. <laughs> All right, so you've already touched on it. Next game is going to be Everton in a couple of weeks. Um, first team out in Saudi Arabia right now for some warm weather training. And um, that also includes, I believe, a training game indoors away from the cameras against either the league champions or top of the league team. I forget who it is in Saudi Arabia. Um, so that'll be interesting to hear how that goes. Um, I'll be honest, initially, I thought that was going to be a terrible idea. And if I had a loss against Leeds, I would have been banging on about how bad that idea was. But we've picked up injuries. Some of them may be soft tissues got a win you know why not there's two weeks go out there bond a little bit you know maybe we can get some new players in and get them out there whilst we're still there um and it it, it looks like it was um, a brilliant idea hopefully there'll be some announcements when they're out there maybe some sponsorships but anyway that's where they are so we've got a couple of weeks off until everton All right that'll do it for us uh next episode will be probably in a few days 
keep your eye on the notifications for that. I'm not quite sure what that's going to be just yet, but uh, yeah, it'll be in a few days' time. Got a fair break until the next game. Um, thank you, Mark. Cheers, Dimmy. Um, thank you, all you lovely subscribers, for watching or listening. Um, as always, we're available on Twitter at TuneUnderPod. Our website is TuneUnder.com. And we're on YouTube and Facebook. Just search for TuneUnder Podcast. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and especially give us your comments and feedback. Every little bit of interaction helps us build the podcast. I mean, I know it's hard to believe um, just how absolutely mint we already are. But honestly, we can definitely get better. I know it's amazing. Look, sound effects. We've got sound effects for the first time. What next? You know, confetti across the screen. I don't know. Lasers. Could be ending. Don't know. Uh, but keep subscribing so that you don't miss out on that fantastic bit of uh, special effects that might be coming or might not be. Who knows? Um, all right. Thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. Stay safe out there. How are the mighty mags? Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers.